Hey, Prime members, you can listen to En La Sala ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. Awesome, mi gente. It's your girl Becky G. Aquí en la sala. Welcome to this week's episode. If you were here for last week, thank you so much for coming back. I am so excited for this episode and for many reasons. Um, one, because it's very personal to me. Two, because I have yet to really dedicate something to this very special community that I hold so near and dear to my heart. This week's episode is about Latinx pride. In this week's episode, I have one of my very dear friends, Lauren Haregi, coming into La Sala to talk about what is Latinx pride. And she is so much more than just an incredibly talented artist. She is an incredible human being. She is a proud queer member of this community. And um, we're going to talk about all things healing, all things about our Latin culture and how, you know, there's a lot of beautiful sides to it, but there's also a lot of things that no longer serve us in the direction that we're headed in. So I know she's got a lot to say, which is why she was my number one to have on this episode. Um, and, and we're going to get to it. So take a seat because we are about to spill the cafecito. I'm really happy that you guys are tuning in for this episode. It's an episode that's really, really close to my heart. And very, very personal to me for many reasons. And I can't wait to get into the reasons why. One of my intentions about having this conversation is not just to speak to my queer community, but also, you know, the friends and family that support the community. Because truth is, you guys are part of that community too. Understanding that there's so much more to allyship, to us being better to one another and being supportive of one another. And I think that in our Latinx culture, there's a lot of deeply rooted issues that are sometimes very painful to acknowledge and to look into, but at the same time could alleviate all of us from a lot of the pain and suffering and hurting of people that we love. This episode was very important to me for the reason of um, also my personal relationship with my cousin, Vanessa, who is here on the other side of the camera for moral support. It's like, I'm doing this to support her as well as she is on the other side of the camera to support me. And that just goes to show you that like our sisterhood is so real. We are born one month apart from each other almost exactly. And our upbringings and our childhood memories were spent together. I also call her my papaya. It's an inside joke. I can't really explain it to you guys because we both hate papaya. And um, she's a very important person to me. She's inspired me in so many ways. Like the person who is sitting here in front of you guys talking about this topic would not be who I am today if it wasn't for her. And her being so open and honest about her journey and her story. I was one of the, I think the first person, she's nodding yes, I was the first person she ever came out to. And I'm honored to be. My goal with this conversation, guys, is that yes, labels are crucial right now. Representation is so important for us to be able to identify and see ourselves in spaces because especially for this community, the queer community, we, we don't have that. We don't have that on a mainstream level in the ways that we deserve to be seen and reflected as an audience. But the goal at the end of that is to one day not have to explain who we are, 
why we are and, and where we come from and why it is that we are the way we are. It's just to be. And that's why we're here because my papaya means so much to me and her happiness, it means so much to me and has inspired me in so many ways. And, and knowing that love is love at the end of the day, no matter who that is for you. And speaking about my relationship with my papaya, it never felt like there was no questions that were off limits. And I think part of being able to have those open conversations is really important. And I really encourage that. Um, whether you are someone who identifies as queer or you're someone who considers themselves an ally to the queer community, it kind of makes you a part of the community. I learned that today. Um, you guys should have these open and transparent conversations and do your research and educate yourself on these things. There are no questions that are too stupid when it comes to being able to see each other for who we really are. And that was why I actually invited her to be here today. I mean, I invite her to be a part of everything, but you know, she got her own life and she's like on her grown ass woman shit, doing her own thing. Um, and, and we pick up every now and then, but it, it meant so much to have her here today because I want people to understand how personal this is to me. And so I'm just honored to be here. I'm honored to represent this flag so proudly um, and to have these important discussions with you guys. And as I'm saying all of these things, you know, all that's at the forefront of my mind especially now, speaking about and to our Latinx family about the queer community in a way that's positive, that's showing the light that is in the community. Because I know for myself, as well as a lot of other people, there's so much violence and mistreatment of, you know, even just the trans community. But also we need to look at the positive side that this community needs right now because a lot of what we're seeing in, in regards to the minority communities, the brown and black communities, it's always so negatively charged, always. And you know what? We've got a lot of light to us and understanding that you can do something about it. You can have these conversations within your four walls and make a difference. Not everyone protests in the same way. Not everyone acts against injustice in the same way, but simply being a good person can go so far. So if you guys are not used to hearing these terms, if you guys are uncomfortable, like look at it as a good thing. This is a really great start. And I hope that beyond this conversation that we are having, you and I, as well as the conversation that Lauren and I are going to be having with you guys, you can continue it. Mi gente, aquí estamos with my girl. I want to call you, and I hope you're okay with this, my dragonfly sister, the Lauren Haregi. Yes. Because we of share. Of course, I'm okay with this. We share a very special connection with dragonflies. I will never forget the first time you and I really, really, really click. I feel like we always click from the very beginning. Yeah, like we, we always met, have like a vibe. We always had a vibe. Real, recognize, real. For real. <laughs> I'm always just like rooting for you, cheering for you because Same, we have that that special bond. So you're in Miami. I know you've been like back and forth, LA, Miami. You were living in LA for a little bit. I actually thought you were in LA for some reason because I think the last time we spoke, you were living here. But I'm assuming during the quarantine, you were like, I got to go back home. Right. So this is actually a really divine story. So I... So I'm obviously born and raised in Miami. Not obviously. Mm -hmm. Some of y'all listening probably don't know. <laughs> no, I'm born and raised in Miami. And... 
I moved to LA technically when I joined, when we were formed as a group and like LA was our home base because nobody lived in LA except for Dinah. So everybody else was from Texas or from Florida. So we had to find like a middle ground home base. And so we chose LA and then my like adolescent mind associated LA with like, this is where music happens. Right. Mm -hmm. So, which is not a total lie, but it also kind of, I learned in the past couple of years as I've been on my own, that music happens everywhere. Creativity mm -hmm. happens anywhere, you know, and I feel most inspired by this place, like Miami right now. And at the time, so I came back like end of last year to like records to record Lento and 50 feet music videos. And I was just like with my family. I was here for a month. I was like, you know, able to see my friends and able to see and able to just be here and for a, a minute instead of just like a stop off visit. And I was able to be like, damn, man, I really miss home. Like I miss being home. I miss being able to like go to my parents' house for dinner. And like, you know, my mom comes over after work now sometimes and we talk and hang out. Like if I need my dog sit, like I call mommy <laughs> and I'm like, hey, mom, like you want to watch Klee and I can go out for the weekend. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I don't have to rely on like my friends to do that I for that. me. Yeah. Yeah. So I just, I was like, damn, I should move. So this is November, December of last year. And then I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I had a, I had a, a lease that wasn't up until July in LA. And I was like, I'm going to look for an apartment. So let's see if I find one in two weeks, bro. I found this apartment that I'm in right now. And I was like, I'm coming. So I came at the top of February. See how they, and then the pandemic hit and I was like, Boom. okay, God. March came. Okay. I mean, and technically it, the dude. pandemic started before we were all exactly. aware of it, but that's what March, my intuition, yeah. my intuition knew. It just knew I got to be home. I got to be close to my loved ones. I got to, mm -hmm. I, I almost feel like, I mean, I, I was feel grounded. Be, yeah. I was going to say this time has been um, very, I guess the word is just like revealing because it's not like anything really changed. These are all things that were like happening under the hood. It just now this pandemic really revealed everything that I realized I needed in my life, which was just like a break, a moment of solidarity to just learn to be alone, really connect with myself, with my family. And it'd be like, okay, I'm not just stopping by, you know, just to be here for the sake of being here. But like, this is my home. Has anything interesting happened during the quarantena? Like that you've like had these like epiphanies of just like, oh, I'm actually going to reevaluate my entire career. Because I realize I can do it from anywhere. Girl, first of all, the parallel between you and I is just astonishing. Um, but also, I think, really relatable to other people who are watching right now. Because I'm sure that they feel that parallel as well. Because if this year didn't hit you, here's, here, here's how this year hit you. If you were conscious and self-aware, this year hit you in such a way where you had to buckle down and actually commit to your heart. You had to commit to who you really are. You had to commit to where your heart guides you. And that like intuitively, I felt that I needed to be in Miami. When I got here, I physically felt how much I needed to be in Miami. I have healed so much within myself that had been so broken because of seven years of doing the, the, the you know, the whirlwind, bro. Like mm -hmm. the, vete pa you're home maybe one week of the, of the year. You're maybe, you know, like, like sporadically, not even like a consecutive week. You yep. feel me? So it's like, and, and for what to make the higher ups money, 
mm-hmm. consistently and consecutively. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because at the end of the day, you barely even get a check from your own check. You read, feel me? Read your contracts, people. That's on. Read your contracts. Read your contracts. And don't just get the lawyers that don't do entertainment because it will. Never get a lawyer Mm. that doesn't do entertainment. Yeah, because it's different. It's so different, you know? And and I think that especially, I I mean, I don't know about you, but I come from a family who isn't, um, I don't want to say professional. They're fans of music. They love music, my family. But they had never pursued it at the level that maybe we have gotten to. And and it's scary. And they want to support us. And you did it grassroots. You did it from the bottom bottom i remember with my whole heart like i remember your entire your entire story you have you started from zero mama you know what i'm saying thank from settle in inglewood like thank i got a dream you. and mom yeah. and dad were like all right baby girl let's try it <laughs> let's try it i don't know how we're gonna do it but we're gonna try i remember doing x factor on thanksgiving day and this was when the group was being formed you guys were already competing and i was a new artist myself those interactions, they come very few, you know? Yes, and very rare. And very rare. And I'm just so thankful for that. I agree. I agree. And I totally, totally reflect that with you because like, like you said, it's really rare to come across real people in this industry. Because also, like you said, when we, that time that we came up and for those of you who don't know my story, I also came from just like zero connections in the music industry. I auditioned for X Factor at a cattle call audition with 10,000 people in North Carolina to try to pursue my dream. My dad took me to teach me a lesson about how hard it is to get into the industry. And I did it by faith and because I knew my grandma was watching and I knew she wanted me to do it, which is the whole point of the dragonfly too. That's that's the grandma Mm -hmm. that guided me, right? So when I got put into that girl group, (laughs) into Fifth Harmony, I was just like, whoa. I was, I was just, that was 0% the trajectory that I had envisioned for myself, like completely opuesto to what I thought my journey was going to be. And for a long time that, that having to fulfill a character role, having to show up as a part of an entity that wasn't even an entity that had my same identity in any way, you know, was really interesting. But then also it was cool because we all got a chance to show up individually because that's kind of the whole thing about a girl group is like, you have to all not be alike. You, Mm -hmm. everyone has to be distinctly themselves, quote unquote, but we were 16, 17, 18, 19 year olds, man. Who the fuck knows themselves at that age? And it was the beginning of the transition into your fans being as involved as they are at such an intimate social media level. Cause that was like 2012, you know what I mean? It's 2011, 2012, when Instagram was really starting up, when Twitter was really starting up. I had never taken a fucking selfie in my life. You know what I'm saying? The first selfie I took was for my fans when I was on X Factor, you know yeah. what I'm saying? So like just that whole change in mentality and that whole shift of perspective so it's one of those things where, of course, you lose yourself as a person. Of course, you can't yeah. be real all the time because you have to protect yourself from everybody around you potentially trying to mess with you, potentially trying mm-hmm. to take something from you, potentially trying to use you, which mm-hmm. is just so often, you know? So that's, I Too feel like often. that's why I, I also value that moment with you because, and, and not just that moment, but what that moment like bra sprouted in us yeah. you know the friendship that yeah. we've been able to have because of it because it's hard man you you form these friendships with people in this industry and they're flaky as hell y'all be texting dming posting each other's stuff and then y'all see each other in person and they don't even make eye contact they and don't just say like, hi Whoa. 
As they don't say you know hi. me, I'm the person, I'm the one that has my little bottle of tequilita and I walk by and I'm like, hey, you guys want to take a shot? That's another one. I was taking shots before <laughs> before shows, bitch. I'll never forget that either. Um, which was why I felt so strongly about having you on the podcast and specifically for this episode, because the episode is genuinely about what is Latinx pride? And I mean, obviously my headband says a lot with that, but it also can mean many things. Many, it has many meanings what Latinx pride is. And I I just want to ask you off the bat, like what does pride mean to you? If I'm taking the word pride, mm-hmm. not, not as trying to apply it to my queer identity, mm-hmm. pride really doesn't mean a lot to me because pride is usually stuff that holds us back from being our full expressive Mm -hmm. selves because we're trying to be something, Mm -hmm. you know, and we're trying to uphold a certain ego view Mm -hmm. that we think we are. So outside of that, that's what, that doesn't really have a lot of meaning to me. But when we're talking about pride in queer spaces, I think that it is a way, it's a, it's a way that the queer community has created space for ourselves in a very binary, very heteronormative world. So to have pride, to be who we are, to, to, to have love for our true authentic selves and to express that in its fullest, which is really funny because in that space, it means the opposite of what it means outside of the space. 100%. So it's, it's kind of like taking that and flipping it and just being proud of, like actual proud, like yes. instead of pride being mm-hmm. proud of who we are. And I'm so happy you brought that up because that's so true. That's something that I always, in, in any conversation, no matter who I'm talking to, whether it's my own father, my own partner, my mom, I always tell them, don't let your pride get in the way. Don't let your mm. pride get in the way of like saying how you really feel. But here in this context, it's actually, it's a, it's a positive thing, which we're not used to, you know, especially in our culture. As Latinos, there's a lot of things that were defense mechanisms then, but now we look at it and I'm like, yo, this shit does not really serve us and where we're headed. So how do we unlearn that to then relearn something that will allow us to accept ourselves for who we really are, accept others for who we really are and move in a much more forward and positive thinking direction. I've seen you especially be super vocal um, about politics, about self-care and also like queer issues. And I want you to kind of just share if you feel comfortable enough with me on like what is occupying your mind right now in this space of advocacy because I know for me like my brain is a little bit like alphabet soup like like tabs like there's like music coming from somewhere there's a motivational speech in the background and then here I am reading the news and I'm like overwhelmed with anxiety and oh I don't so, read like, the news oh, I don't do girl. news I need to the take news that advice and the media because- listen the news and the media I'm just like straight up the news and the media are, are constantly spinning narratives for your clicks so they can make money. Punto y final. There is no other purpose besides for them to push an agenda. Whether that's fear-mongering, whether that's right or left, whether that's black or white, whether that's whatever it is, whatever quote-unquote media you're going to is more than likely part of the agenda and part of the process of pushing a certain truth onto you, which is programming, right? TV programming, radio programming, programming legitimately programming your brain to think a certain way and to feel fear of each other and fear of the community that we live in, fear of the city you live in. If you look at like local nightly news, all they do, 
all they do in their top stories are the most atrocious, horrendous local crimes that could possibly have gone on, whether or not they're true, whether or not the perpetrator actually committed it. You're going to see that perpetrator in cuffs on camera, mm -hmm. more likely, more than likely going to be a black or brown person, more than likely going to be continuing to program you with the story of who people are and what we're capable of. And that's why we're experiencing so much experiencing so much chaos right now. And that's why all the chaos is on the news. And that's why there's so much chaos in our minds and so much chaos in our hearts and so much chaos in our bodies and so much chaos in our communities and our families. And all this chaos, you know, is on purpose yeah. to keep us in a lower vibrational state so that we cannot unite on the truth of humanity, mm -hmm. which is that we're all human beings, obviously. You know what I'm saying? We all know we're all humans. Like that's, yeah. you know, it's a joke. We try to classify ourselves, put us into these categories in this binary patriarchal world right. that is again, based off of colonial mindset, which is 100 doesn't serve us anymore. Doesn't it serve doesn't. us anymore. It's not in and alignment with Gaia. It's not in alignment with God. And, and it's interesting because here we are, we're talking about like breaking boxes right? And, and stepping outside of those boxes and saying, I am so much more than just a label you put on our heads. And I thought that this conversation was so important for our Latinx community. One, visibility is so important though. And I don't want to take that away from anyone because to be able to identify, especially for us as individuals who have a platform, to be able to show people that you can be yourself, no matter what that is, is so important. But I feel like at the same time, the ultimate goal on the other side of that is to get to a point where we no longer have to explain ourselves and say, this is what I am. This is what I identify as. And if you have a problem with it, then, well, that's another conversation. It's like, let's just be. There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but only one thing to say that can help you protect them. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And just like that, a State Farm agent will be there to help you choose the coverage you need, no matter where you are in life. When you need coverage options, your State Farm agent is there to help, on the phone or in person. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Do you ever wonder where all your money went, like every single time you look at your bank account? Honestly, it's probably all those subscriptions. I felt that way too, until I got Rocket Money. Rocket Money helped me see all the subscriptions I'm paying for, and it was eye-opening. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it all adds up so quickly. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year, with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Visibility being such a huge form of advocacy and because we know that the people don't often accept themselves or others unless they see themselves reflected in many ways. I feel like I, I just got to say it like I really feel like you are an icon and a huge inspiration for a lot of other individuals in our Latinx community that not only see themselves and how you express yourself. Obviously, you are so talented and so much more than just like your physical being like you have such a loud soul. And that's why I love mm -hmm. you so much. Oh, but also, like. <laughs> 
your your visibility, like you and how authentic you are in living your life. Like I would just love to ask you, and if you are comfortable enough to share it, like what made you want to take the step in coming out, which a lot of people would call a big step because it is in the society that we live in, even still to this day, sadly. But what made you feel like this is, this is it? Like what was that either, whether it was a breaking point or a moment of like, true acceptance. Um, what did that look like for you? And, and why did you decide it in that moment? Like how old were you and who were those people? Was it your family first? Was it your friends first? Was it everybody all at once? Cause like, yo, I got to just do this. Um, which it's a lot of questions in one, but I feel like you're going to hit all of them in your story. So if you can just share that with us, that would be amazing. I knew I was queer because I fell in love with my best friend when I was like 15. And I kind of like liked her a little more than I than everyone else. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like in a way that probably wasn't normal. But I normalized that to myself for a very long time. But um, her and I started having like an actual physical connection when I was 15. That developed and didn't at the same time because the society that I grew up in, I went to private Catholic school, bro, with a bunch of rich people because I was not rich. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I was on academic scholarship and I was on financial aid and my grandpa helped pay my tuition. And my, but my parents made a decision that they wanted to sacrifice so that we could have the best education that we could have, right? So that was their idea of best education. And I don't blame them for that because that's, that's, that was the reality for them at the moment, you know? But being around that kind of society was very trying because I was very heavily ridiculed for being so confident in myself and being so honest and being so real. People didn't like that at all. And I didn't realize that not everyone was like me. So I really thought that it was a problem with me for a long time. I really thought that I was just super fucked up, that I was really weird and that you know, I needed to suppress who I was. And then like, even just on a vanity level, like Latinx moms, I think can, you know, a lot of girls can relate to the fact that like a lot of, a lot of who we are is defined by our physical beauty in our culture. Yes. Um, especially mujeres, like mm -hmm. your body and how you look the and when your boobs your came in and the length of your hair. Anytime mm -hmm. I've told my mom, I want a pixie cut, she's like, no, <laughs> liberating when I chopped my hair off because I was like fuck all of you <laughs> uh, that's I'm gonna get there one day like mm -hmm. one day I'll get there I'm still super attached to her but whatever like um but the point being like it was a lot of pressure on me to be something that I genuinely wasn't and so I try really hard to fit in and part of part of trying really hard was a hundred percent suppressing any notion of I'm actually gay or I'm actually queer. I'm actually bisexual. Right. That was like not even an option in my mind. I was like, I hook up with my friends sometimes. It's fun. You know, it's just cute. Like everybody likes girls to make out super like hetero boys yeah. like this lens. You know that's what I'm also saying? what society accepts. So you're like, you feel less guilty. Yeah. And that's what you see that. in porn. Yeah. And that's what you mm, see in porn. That's a whole I'm sorry. Other, hold on. That's a whole also, other conversation. Right. Thank you. But I also, I didn't have sex education growing up at mm -hmm. all because I went to a private Catholic school. Because it was right? taboo. Yeah. It was taboo. It got canceled. I never learned about my body. I never learned about sex. Everything that I knew about that thing. God, my mom and dad talked to me about things. And, and 
everything else was learned through porn. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, like, okay, this must be like, and I know this is taboo as hell for most of you watching. So yeah, but this is what <laughs> no it is. Filter okay? here. That's how I learned what quote unquote, what I thought men liked, what I thought women liked, what I thought a queer relationship meant what I thought, you know what I'm saying? I even would like refrain from watching girl on girl things because I was like, no, 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 that, that would make me gay. Like, no. Right. You know what I'm saying? Even if I was attracted to it, you feel me? So whatever. But I was like, no, no, very much compartmentalized that in my brain. And also I didn't come from a, a, a queer loving family. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I came from a Latinx household. We do not like queers. The Bible says they hate them. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like there's a lot and nobody had, especially in Miami, like what? Like being queer is a, is literally non-existent in LA. There's a lot more freedom to express yourself, I think. But in Miami, yeah. in the, the kind of culture that I grew up with, it really was not cool. And girls in my school would make fun of and ridicule and terrorize girls who they thought were gay. They didn't even know they were gay. There was no proof they were gay. They thought they were gay and they would terrorize them. And I was so sensitive. I was like, I can't, I can't handle that. I literally can't handle that. So it was a secret in my heart for a long time. And then, you know, her and I kind of drifted apart, not willingly on my part, but we drifted apart. And then she came back into my life and I was just like, I need to own this, you know, like, of course she can't be with someone who doesn't want to be with her really, you know, like that's not, that's, that's traumatizing as yeah. someone who was really queer and, and, and was fluid in that and accepted that about herself. And I loved that about her. You know what I'm saying? That she was mm-hmm. so self-assured in who she really was. And I, and I really wanted to be like that, but I couldn't give that at the time. So I had to deal with the pain of losing her because of that, you know? Yeah. And then she came back into my life and we had a very toxic relationship because neither one of us was healed enough to be together, but we loved each other <laughs> so much. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So that happened when I was 18. She came back into my life when I was 18. I was on tour and I was in my room in a hotel somewhere and she called me and I hadn't heard from her in months, years. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> and so we talked and then I was like, so desesperada to have been with her that I didn't even give her time or me time to even know if this was what I wanted or what she wanted. But I was like, no, now we're going to be together. Right. We're in it. So exactly. So I went all in and was just like, we're going to be in this relationship. And I remember my mom being like, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? Like she knew, but she also, also, again, there was a lot of toxicity between this girl and I, this was not a healthy relationship. This was not anything that she was looking out for you as your mom. Exactly. This is not something to romanticize what I went through, but also it, it was, it was my story. It's how I got to where I am now and where I'm still going because I'm still not hundred percent comfortable with being myself in, and, and that, you know, the lay person wouldn't know that someone watching me wouldn't know that, but it's just about how you feel in your own body sometimes in this society that is so judgmental, that is so harsh, that is so mean to people for just fucking being themselves, literally just for being themselves. Like that's it because you have your agenda about what you want for you or your son or your daughter or or because you think it's wrong and God, God says in that same Bible that he apparently, you know, hates gays. He also says that he's the only one that can judge. Right. Yeah. Right. But so we take it upon ourselves still to this day to be violent to each other, verbally, mm-hmm. physically, emotionally violent mm-hmm. to people who do not look, who do not act, who do not speak, who do not present 
the way that we do or the way we were all programmed was the only way to exist, which has, by the way, as 200 years old, maybe 400 years old, maybe a thousand years old, maybe, you know how long earth has been around? You know how long humans have been around? You know how many histories we've erased Too of many. this truth, Too of this many. truth that we have to just keep regurgitating every time that people will be like, oh, this is a new thing. This is not an, an agenda. This is not anybody trying to push anything. This is people finally feeling like they want to be who they really are in their mm -hmm. hearts and they don't want to have to subscribe to bullshit. And so before that was a thing though, I was 18 and absolutely not trying to come out to the public. I absolutely didn't want, you know, people thought, and this is going to be another controversial acknowledgement, but whatever people thought Camila and I were like into each other. And that made me so uncomfortable, like disgustingly uncomfortable because I was queer, but she was not. Mm -hmm. And it made me feel like a predator, essentially, because it's invasive. I, it made me feel like a predator because of the type of clips people would put together and the type of stories people would write and the type of stuff. I was always the aggressor and I was always the one turning her and I was always the one who was like the the masculine energy in the scenario and it made me very uncomfortable because that's not how I identify and that's not to say that that's wrong to identify like that like daddy get your shit you know what I mean like do your thing but I I did not identify that way and I also did not have that connection with her Camila and I were just very good friends at that time you know what I'm saying and we respected each other when each other would talk we would look at each other we had love for each other like genuine friendship you know what I'm saying and in the Latinx culture, I don't know about you, but growing up, I was very affectionate with all of my friends. I was yes. very like we would like we would tell, tell each other shit that, yeah, maybe you would think we were gay if you were listening over. Yes, <laughs> but we weren't. You know what I'm saying? And, and that wasn't the interaction. So that actually made me so uncomfortable to the point where I, I to this day, hyperanalyze every connection that I have with a girl because I don't want to make them feel like. I'm looking at them that way because they were there's to this day convinced that that was real. You know what I'm saying? And, and I can't do anything to change it because even when I talk about it and I don't talk about it because I, I've learned to just ignore it because it was it was just so, so traumatizing for me. You know what I'm saying? That it was like I just chose to ignore it at a certain point because getting angry to them would mean that it was real and validate it more for them. So I was like, OK, then I can't get angry or defend myself apparently, because then that just makes it more real. Like it just, it really fucked with my head because I was just like, I wasn't even comfortable with it, with telling my parents about it. You know what I'm saying? Like I wasn't even comfortable telling myself that I was queer, you know? And I also, I didn't see Camila that way. So it just made me uncomfortable that I could potentially be putting off that kind of vibe onto someone who I, who I wasn't trying to do that with. You feel me? Yeah. Cause that, that made me like, again, it made me feel like a predator to this day. I have mm -hmm. an issue with that because of it. Yeah. Like I have an issue flirting with girls because I'm like, I don't want them to think that I'm trying to, you know what I'm saying? Invade mm -hmm. or like anything like that. So anyway, punto y aparte, I was very uncomfortable and I absolutely didn't want to come out because I was like, they're going to confirm that rumor. And then it's just going to go in a whole nother directions and you know, it's going to get worse. Right. And then I was at my uncle and aunt's wedding in New Orleans and we were taking pictures and I was drunk and my girlfriend was drunk and we took a picture of us kissing, right? There was a picture of us kind of like kissing each other, <sighs> like crying. <laughs> it's okay. I'm so honored that you are able to share this. So take your time. Yeah. Okay. 
My aunt super innocently posted all the pictures from the photo booth onto her Facebook. And I have fans that are unreal invasive <laughs> and followed her because they knew that she was with my uncle who was my dad's brother and they just somehow had this link that they found and they found the picture and they posted it and they were posting it everywhere and posting it everywhere and posting it everywhere. And I was like, Oh my God. And I, I just remember being like, Oh my God, hopefully this doesn't blow up. Hopefully this doesn't blow up. Hopefully this is just like, you know, the few fans who found it, it just stays there. And then Perez Hilton outed me in an article and used the picture. And then it went everywhere. And I was like, Oh my I have like my uncles texting me like, what is going on? Like, what is this? Like, you know, I have people just being like, what? Like, are you guys together? Like, or you know what I'm saying? But like the people in my life already knew, like my, my parents knew and they accepted me. I'm going to be real. My parents really, they valued our relationship more than their proposed beliefs. And I am blessed because most people in the Latinx households get kicked out. Most people end up on the street and homeless because of this fake loyalty to a fake religion that was made up by some people and beat into you and your kids. All right. Like you abandon your family because of that. Anything that makes you abandon your family is not related to God, is not related to God. God would never want you to abandon your children because of who he made them to be ever. Because you also want to say God doesn't make mistakes, right? Right. And that's why they pull up the whole, this is a choice. Let me ask you something. If I could make a choice, wouldn't I choose for this to be easier on me in life? Wouldn't I choose the route where I wouldn't get beat up? Wouldn't I choose the route where I wouldn't get ridiculed? Wouldn't I choose the route where you would still want to love me? Wouldn't I choose that? You know what I'm saying? So it's just like, it's, it's just, it, it mind boggles me. But luckily, again, my family was very accepting, granted, growing in acceptance and right. living with me in their, in their own way. Very, yeah. exactly. Very accepting. And my mom, especially my mom was, my mom doesn't, le, le, I yeah, she's, she's, she's a homegirl. I don't care. I love your mom. Yeah. She's just like, she's talked to me about things throughout my whole life that I'm so grateful about. Like, I'm so grateful about how transparent my mom has been with me about life in general, because I get my heart from her. You know, she gave me this, this heart. You feel me? Yeah. And I, I'm sure you relate. So much. Uh, Mama Latinas, we, we have, there's a nurture there. There's a real tender love there. But anyway, so I was outed and I was like, oh my God, this is really traumatizing. And I'm just going to crawl into a cave for a week and not say anything about it at all. And then I just kind of like, was like, okay, it happened. People know. What am I going to do? And then I wrote that letter to Trump and his supporters for Billboard. And that's where I, I, I came out, like with my self, as myself, like I'm owning this and this is who I am. And this is why I feel scared for me and my community right now, because the rhetoric going on right now is just alarming, really alarming. And so that's why I felt called to write that. And it was a rant in my notes, by the way. It wasn't supposed to be. <laughs> I didn't like write an op-ed for Billboard. You feel me? Like no, Billboard didn't reach out truth. to me and like, tell us your thoughts. It was no, really it's your my truth. truth. You're like, yo, I, I need to, this, my heart tells me, the heart that my mom gave me, 
tells me mm-hmm. that this is what I got to do. This is me living. I got to just truth. own this. Mm-hmm. I had to just own it. And then I did. And then again, that relationship was not healthy for either one of us. We were both very broken, toxic people at the time. I don't know where she is at in life. I know where I'm at in life. And I wish her love and forgiveness and acceptance and apology and everything for what we went through with each other. But she was the person that made me realize who I, who I really was, you know, and what I, what I really connect with in this life. And that is all souls. I'm not just anything, you know what I'm saying? And that's yeah. why I find it hard to, to label myself or to be part of any, any community really. Cause all mm-hmm. of like straight or everything is just like, to, to me, the queer community is beautifully accepting, but then also not in some ways of, of our trans sisters and brothers of straight people of cis people, you know, there's just like, and that's not to say anything because anyone who's been invalidated and been abused in their life by a certain type of person, they're going to have a certain type of bias about that certain yep. type of person. You feel mm-hmm. me? That's why racism exists too, because yep. people are treating each other with these certain biases and don't give each other the benefit of the doubt about connecting to that core humanity that we're talking about here. You feel me? Which at the end of the day is what defines us all and what exists in us all is our souls and our connection to each other, our connection to the earth and our connection to to our ancestors and to God, you feel me? Like there's, there's no, it's so much bigger than us. It's so much bigger than us. And, and I say that with a lot of privilege though, to be fair, because I am a cis woman. I am a white woman, right? Mm -hmm. I'm Latina, but I'm white. You feel me? So there's a lot of also comfort and privilege in be having been able to come out as in the, in the industry that I'm in looking the way I do, because boys are still attracted to me. You feel me? And I'm still hetero passing and I'm still cis normative and I'm still heteronormative looking, you feel me? So I'm able to live my truth more freely than most of our brothers and sisters in the queer community are, especially trans people, especially black and brown trans people. Like mm-hmm. it is, it is nearly, they get murdered every day. Every day. Every single hunted. day. Honestly, I, hunted I use the word hunted by people. because it's, it's honestly, that's what it is. Yeah. Exactly. So it's like, even, even in my coming out stories and even in being able to say like, oh, I prefer like labellessness, like some people's identity is really their lifeline is their only truth in this life is their only support in this life is knowing that, that they can at least see themselves, you know, however it is that they find that. And so it's just kind of like, yeah, that's my story. <laughs> I'm, thank you so much for sharing your truth. And, and you have no idea what it means to me as, as your friend, as somebody who I hope you can consider as an ally in the space, in the industry that we work in as, you know, a woman to woman conversation, but just as a human being above all. And like I said before, like, yes, I am also like anti-label, but at the same time, I have to recognize that like, this is, this is where we are right now. And a lot of people need that in order to feel identified and to feel represented in so many ways. And that's our current reality and whatever we can do to support each other in that space. And like you said, recognize your own privilege. Until it's at, normalized. Until it's normalized. Until it is like the, that the day where we can all be ends, like, you know what, let's all exist. Let's just all exist. And I actually very proudly have two individuals behind the camera that have so proudly made me an honorary queer individual as part of the community today um, that that <laughs> told me and shared with me so transparently. They said, I, I come out every day. Every I come day. out every day because that's the that's the 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 time that we live in. We can't just be anymore. We have to 
make it clear on that point of having to come out every day in this industry, a lot of the gigs that come to me, unfortunately, and fortunately, they're like, oh, you're queer. Can you come talk about queerness? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, like all the time. It's ha- you know Which what I'm saying. I was so happy to have you on this episode, so you could say exactly that. Exactly. So you could say exactly that. It's like it's like oh, she's queer. We'll give her the queer award. We'll, like she's she's oh, we can have her speak on this panel. And it's like okay, yes, I'm I'm a queer woman, and I love that about myself. I honor that, and I am that. However, I'm also a very intelligent, very talented artist. Right. So there's Mm -hmm. a lot more to me than just my queerness. And that's Mm -hmm. that's what I find strange is that people are so concerned about who people are fucking, who people are loving. Why is that your business? Stay in your business. Stay in your bed. And that's why I think, you know, when I talk about representation and I talk about our connection with our communities and even though, yeah, it's flawed in a lot of ways because we are so judgmental in our society and how much access we have to each other, but we can only lead by example, right? We can't tell people how to live their lives, but we can only lead by example. And one of the biggest things that has been really hard for me, and you know this on a personal side, is like true self-acceptance. No matter what that looks like for everyone or what position they are in their lives, whether it's on a personal level or whether it's their business, true self-acceptance is so hard. It's actually, we we throw around self-love like too easy. We're taught lovelessness. Especially in the industries that we work in, it's like love yourself so much so other people love you, but what are we loving ourselves with? With the money, with the nice cars, with the houses? Is this me? Is this mine to wear? Actually, it's not. I've never been able to grab onto these things and say, this feels right. Oh my God, I feel so relieved. If anything, I feel worse. Mm. That's my truth. Yes. Talking about true self-acceptance and like true self-love, like I'd like to know from you, like what you would tell, because especially in this time, right? There's a lot of like youth out there that is spending a lot more time at home. It's literally too easy to just do this, even in a conversation with each other, you know? First of all, I would say put the phone down and go outside. Take your shoes off, go for a bike ride, plant yourself on the earth and breathe into that and be present in that moment. Try not to think about other things when you're doing that. And just stay there for a few breaths. Even if that's as long as you can last, it's just three breaths. Do three breaths. But if you can last longer, do it for longer. Stay outside. I also think writing down your feelings is a huge help because it helps you. It takes the chaos that's happening in here that you keep repeating to yourself in the thoughts and it puts it onto paper so you can read it to yourself and you can see if it's really how you're feeling. Or you can see what parts resonate with truth and what parts don't. Because unfortunately, dude, our kids right now, like the youth are growing up in a very desensitized space online. They're not growing up IRL. They're growing up online if they have access to phones. And if they don't have access to phones, it's a whole nother world for them. And they're in extreme poverty and they are trying to survive and help their families survive, right? So we have to also talk about that privilege, right? So you have kids who are looking at celebrities, looking to celebrities for their information on what's cool. 
their information on what looks good, what's beautiful, what body is acceptable. And then you have a lot of celebrities who are fake. Top to bottom fake, inside and out fake. Fake. And that's not to say you can't be. Do mm-hmm. what you gotta do. Do what makes you confident. Do you, boo-boo. <laughs> do you. I'm with that. And I, am, am I lying and saying I'm never gonna do anything to my face? Girl, when I start getting older, I might do a little something to my face. You know what I mean? Why to not? make sure she's, <laughs> you know? I'm not gonna lie, but I'm also not gonna lie. You feel me? I'm not gonna pretend like this is what I look like. I'm not gonna pretend like not God gave me this. I'm not gonna pretend like... Like all this money came from nowhere. Like all I do is spend money on cars and jewelry when I know that I have a bank account that's a savings account, when I know that I'm investing, when I know that I'm, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's about the information that we're giving. And granted, I do not think that it's a celebrity's responsibility to be educating the public or the youth on who they need to be. I think that our society has placed way too much importance on what the fuck celebrities are saying. I consider myself an artist. I'm a celebrity because I am alive in celebrity culture. People people are obsessed with celebrities. People are obsessed with fame. People are obsessed with notoriety, what they think is making it, what looks like success. And very few understand what that is, what that means, or what it does to a person. And most of these people who are in our industry, they hate themselves. They don't even know themselves. They'll be posting all day long how hot they are, but they don't know themselves. And so the kids are picking that up. And the kids don't know themselves. And the kids want to look like the like the Facetune filters that everybody's using. And the kids want to want to be pretty. And the kids want to be accepted. And the kids want to be want to be rich. And wear the designer stuff. And wear the the name brand shit. And then when they can't afford it, they hate themselves. The, too much to the point they hate where themselves. it causes and that's the whole mental health and it's and that's it yeah it's the lack of love mm-hmm. if i were to give you advice baby if you're listening to this find your love for yourself outside of the internet look within whatever what the, whatever that means to you but what what's helped me the most in getting into contact with who i really am is healing my inner child Going back to how did I feel when I was a kid, when I was my happiest? What was I doing? Who was I around? What was I talking about? What, what was it that sparked my passion? What was it that made me like, without even thinking about it, without thinking about what other people thought, I just wanted to do that. And it's always been art for me. I've always expressed through art. I've danced, I sing, I paint, I speak, I write. And that's what I do when I'm not active and when I'm not outside and when I'm not in the sun, my mental health goes to garbage, completely to garbage, completely leaves me because I'm not connected with my true essence. I'm not doing what I really love to do. Like I got myself a bike. I got myself rollerblades. I've been going rollerblading. I've been going on bike rides. I've been going on walks. You know, you don't have to exercise doesn't have to mean like you're killing your body until you sweat enough and you burn enough calories that you ate earlier in the day. Like really changing that relationship with my body, myself and my mind, like focusing on what is it that's holding me back? Where are my blocks? Reiki helps a lot. Meditation helps a lot. I've seen you like, you know, obviously you're very passionate about your attunement. And um, and I've seen you do your attunement IG live since the beginning of 
COVID really. And I actually, I remember writing to you and being like, yo, this is speaking to me in, in ways that I didn't even realize that I needed as someone who was experiencing, like I said, what we're all experiencing in different ways. And, um, I want to know, like, was that something that you intentionally like did as a decision or was it just like something you stumbled upon and you were like, yo, I ha- I can, I can share this with my fans cause I'm doing this already. Yeah. I mean, I talk about life with my friends and my family and anyone that's around me, really. I'm, I'm constantly on this podcast shit. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I'm constantly talking about the truth, what's going on. Why aren't we, why aren't we looking at the truth? Why wh- we need to shift our perspective. Right. So when everything was going down, I felt like I've always had a streamlined communication with my fans about the truth and what, what, what I'm seeing, what I'm experiencing. And I'm also very adamant about telling them, don't trust me, go research, Mm -hmm. go look this shit up yourself. What I feel like my, my role is, is as a celebrity, as a, as someone who people listen to, let's just put it like that for whatever reason, whether I deserve it or not, God can only decide. Right. But I know that they do. So for me, my responsibility is to help streamline what I feel is truth. Because I don't just know truth. I feel truth. You you get me? It's like a vibration in my body that if something's not right, if something doesn't feel like it's authentic, I feel that immediately Mm -hmm. in my body, you know? And I've become more in tuned with that. And so attunement is about tuning yourself up to the higher vibrational frequency that we all need to level up to in order to move forward in this timeline that we're in, in in the earth parallel you know what I mean like there and this is like we we're in a rut and the conversations are in a rut and it's the same tired ass argument about the same shit and we're like oh it's just coming to our attention it's like no baby decade after decade after decade after decade dude revolutionary poets artists writers authors you know, we've been talking about this shit. Yeah, there's a reason why we can read something from ages ago and it still resonates. And it still resonates. And why, like, now on Netflix is a show called La, La Revolution, which is about the French Revolution. I don't know if it's 100% accurate. Of course not. But, like, it just, you, you see the thematics, the themes that are underlying in the story. And it's the same bullshit. It's the same bullshit. You feel me? It's just like, I'm tired of saying the same bullshit. I want to have more conscious conversations. I want to create spaces for people to, who are already self-aware to grow more into their self-awareness, because I believe that what's actually going to heal this planet is not any politician, is not any motherfucker who wants to make money off of, off of existence and profit off of death and justify Mm -hmm. that for a camera. And none of those people who have that kind of mentality are going to help us or save the people who really need the saving. Right. And the only thing that's going to wake us up is coming back to our true selves, coming back to our essence, waking up who we really are and living that truth and creating our lives around that truth and manifesting our true destiny through our alignment with our purpose, through our attunement with our purpose. And so I think that that's going to take controversial conversations and it's going to take putting things into new perspectives for people that I see very easily. I, since I was a kid, I've always been very observant, very intuitive, 
very mindful of the energy around me and how I interact with the world. Like when I was a kid in, in, in Catholic school, like I didn't resonate with Catholicism, but I resonated with a lot of the scripture that I read, especially in the New Testament, because Jesus was a lover. Jesus was the sacred heart. Jesus yeah. loved everybody. It was Jesus the didn't spirituality give a single, around him. Yeah. And with exact, him, Jesus didn't care. Jesus didn't care about authority. Jesus was with the lepers and the prostitutes and the tax collectors and all of the people who everybody deemed disgusting in society. He was there with yes. them. And guess who killed him? The Pharisees, the church, the state, they the killed him. The most holy of the most holy. And that's exactly, it's something Those I are the people speaking about with, uh, with my, my own parents and like talking about, cause you know, we all experience our, our darkness in our own ways. And especially now more than ever in this time and, and what my family we've gone through and continue to go through and what we try to learn from our own past is exactly that. And I shared that with my parents. I said, you know, Jesus did not spend his time with the holy. He did not. He spent it with the individuals who were broken. And needed healing. And needed healing. And were living their truth just as much as the holy thought they were living their truth. What have you been listening to? And it doesn't necessarily even have to be music, but say it can be motivational speeches. It can yeah. be sound therapy. Um, what do you listen to to kind of like decompress and kind of recharge your batteries to face a new day? Because let's be honest, every day, I don't know what I'm going to get. So I have to make sure that I take my moment to my, I call it my moment to myself every morning. And, and I just be, and it could be meditation, it could be music, a certain song that really gets me going and, 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 and gets me happy. What is that for you? What, what music or what person do you listen to to kind of recharge that battery? So when I need to recharge, I honestly lately have only really been listening to meditative music, like med like music um, that's sound bowl oriented. So different frequencies mm -hmm. unblocking different chakras for me. Um, and I just have that playing all the time because even though I love lyrics, like that's my essence. Like I'm a writer. I mm -hmm. am a lyricist. Like I love, and I'm a poet. Like I love writing. Sometimes when I'm listening to, to music with words, I just don't feel inspired by what anyone's really saying. Like, like there's a lot of, like the people that I listen to, I listen to Janae, I listen to SZA, I listen to mm -hmm. Kehlani, I listen to Summer Walker and like Jasmine Sullivan and like Erica Badu. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I listen to like conscious black women, really. Like that's really like who I'm listening to for the most part. Um, when I'm listening and like Amy Winehouse, I like to listen to people who are telling their truth through mm -hmm. their art. Um, that's the only time I really feel like resonance with, with what I'm Same. listening to. Um, and that's, there's a lot more to that list. Like, don't get me wrong, but like, those are the, the few that just like when I'm listening to songs with words, like those are the people I gravitate towards the most. And when I'm listening to just music to calm myself it's always sound bowls or I have my own sound bowls that I'll be playing throughout the day as well just to like ground myself and then definitely meditation definitely prayer for me is so important dude praying asking for forgiveness saying thank you being grateful aligning my frequency with gratitude instead of scarcity every morning because when we wake up in the morning and we're living in this world and we're being bombarded by all this shit all the time of lack and fear mm -hmm. and scarcity 
it's really easy to fall right back into that mentality. But one thing I've really learned during this pandemic, like really like a huge lesson for me has been to not allow my frequency to be affected by others' frequencies. For my frequency mm-hmm. to be so powerful and so locked in and so me that I don't elevate. No mesul. You know what I mean? Like, you can't piss me off because I'm not pissed. Yeah. That's not my vibe. You know, I'm a chill ass bitch. It's I'm not, it's not cool. mine. It's not mine to wear. I feel you on that 100%. Thank you for, for sharing like what that is for you and, and how you have your sound bowls. I haven't done sound therapy before, but I'm very um, intrigued by <gasps> Becky, it. Becky, it's going to change your life. I know, I know. Like, I'm going to send you I've, some. I've heard I'm of send like you the playlist. frequencies and stuff, but like, I'm going to send you a playlist. Please do so. And and I'm sure like the fans would be dying to know what that is because um, I've, I've seen it do wonders on so many. And it changed and my life. Really talk about how exactly what you just said. It changed it. Unblocked life, so. my throat chakra, unblocked my third eye, unblocked my heart. The amount of healing that pours out of you after you actually get in touch with those energy centers inside of you and give them some love and give them some attention and give I them mean, some I mean, I started already with vibes. my little cristales and everything, yes. you know, I just, I try, I try my own ways, but I guess maybe that's the next step that I need to take. Um, I got you, girl. I will help you through it. <laughs> yeah, send me the playlist. I got you. Before you go, I know this has been like a, a very in-depth conversation, but to leave on a on a on a light note, on a maybe funny note, um, maybe if it's a funny story, I do this thing on the podcast called Mala Santa. So if you want to share or if you can think of like a Mala Santa story, uh, it could be recent, it could be something from forever ago, um, on when you were either a Mala or a Santa. Mm. Either when I was a mala or a santa. I call myself the mala santa because I feel like I just, I'm, I'm an you angel who in your can duality. be bad sometimes. You yes, I embrace your duality, my duality. Like a human. You're human. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> um, I think I'm going to tell you a little mala story. So I first drank for the first time when I was 15. And I was at a party at my friend's birthday party. She was had she had a lot of money and she had like a guest house that was operating as like the the bar. And there DJ Laz was there. There was a freaking tent. It was a Halloween party. It was a lot. And um I just I got I got shwasty. I had never been shwasty before. My parents would have lost it if they had known if they like I they, I think they know this story now but like they definitely did it before I started making my own money let me just say that <laughs> so um I would just I was my parents were really strict growing up so I was rarely allowed to do things but because this is one of my best friends I was allowed to go to this party and I looked like a Oh, I was literally full on in a top to bottom. And guess what? I love hoes. And I loved how I looked. And my dad bought me that costume. Let me just say. Yes. So there's no slut shaming in this house. Okay. No. So I was like, I was like a, a bunny, like head to toe, like playboy bunny vibes. Like, no, the rabbit from Alice in Wonderland, but like very hyper sexy. 15 years old. So. I'm having the best time of my life. I'm like flirting with everybody, dancing. Everything's great. This party, I thought it lasted for hours, bro. I thought we were there for like three hours. The party lasted a total of one hour because some dudes showed up to the party that got in a fight with some other kids and like threw a glass bottle or something. 
So the cops were called like an hour into the party, right? So the cops were called. All of a sudden, I, I hear commotion. I go outside of this tent. By the way, I'm like 100, literally wasted, bro. Like first time drinking, never been drunk, like totally like, you know it. what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they're like, the cops are here. And I was like, sober, bitch. I swear to God. I, I literally, it was like, who needs my help? What are we doing? How do we fix this? And I literally yes. was just inside with the mom, cleaning dishes, escorting people places, talking to, I talked to the cops at one point to help calm the situation. No! I swear oh to God, God, my 15 year old drunk ass in a, in a rabbit costume. Okay. Like <laughs> this, this was, it was not cute. It was cute oh. though. She was cute. But literally like, I became mother hen and just like everybody, I, I helped escort everybody out. Like I, I, I literally like just helped the mom with everything she needed. And I swear to God, I completely sobered up. And even since that day, like if I'm in a situation where like maybe all of my friends are getting fucked up and, and like I'm also getting fucked up, but all of a sudden somebody needs to sober up. I swear to God, I don't know what it is. No sé quién me entra. Maybe it's an ancestor that possesses my body or something or like what? But I swear all of whatever I'm feeling goes away. Yeah. It goes away completely and I can do what needs to get done Lock to make sure in. that we're safe. Yep. I, I will you. never like I will never be that friend this that leaves you sound. at a club because I'm too drunk <laughs> and leaves with somebody else and leaves you alone. I'll never be that. I'm tracking my friends the whole time we're out. I'm like, where is this bitch? Where'd she go? Grab her. She's with some weirdo. Grab her. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, even <laughs> no, if I'm drunk, even if I'm drunk. Yeah, no. It's Well, that's why I was going to say this doesn't really sound like a mala story to me. This sounds more of like even when you think you're being mala, you are more santa than you are mala. Like we can do mala things, but our 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 heart our essence is, is our santa. essence is santa <laughs> that's why we are dragonfly sisters because we are very much parallel baby parallel Parallels. that that maternal instinct comes out mm. and we just say tenemos que cuidar todos. That's, todos that's how we are everybody no matter who you are where you come from you good i'm good i'm good mm -hmm. you good okay we got it yeah that's a great that's hilarious all right. Well, I love you. I'll let you go. I know we've taken I love you, a Mama. lot of your time. <laughs> no, thank you for having me. Honestly, I could have these conversations all day long. Like I, I love I love the space you've created and I love the space that you made for this conversation to go where it has and where it went. I think that that's really beautiful. And like you said, like the Latinx community needs this. We need we need our younger generation speaking to our experiences, especially in America, like the younger, like American diaspora of Latinx humans. Like we're a different breed, I feel like, than a lot of, than, than you know? And we we're, have to find spaces to, to relate to one another. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, we're doing it and we're doing it together. Amen. So I'm Love you, mama. Love you too. Bye. Bye. Oh my god, it is so impossible to have a conversation with Lauren and it not be of substance and depth and layers and yeah, I just, she always, honestly, she leaves me with so many seeds planted in my brain. Like days after a conversation, I will be calling her and texting her and being like, remember when you said... XYZ. Yeah, yeah, I thought about that. And the way I, I resonated with it now is XYZ. And so that's like, those are the kinds of people you want in your life.
You you need a Lauren in your life who will literally make you think bigger, make you think harder. Um, and and I'm just so thankful to have that friendship. And I guess we got to wrap this up. I mean, man, it's been a good conversation. And as we do, and every En La Sala episode, it's with our dedication to the culture. Because if we're going to talk about the culture, we got to give back to the culture. So I'm very, very, very proud to dedicate this episode of In La Sala to the organization called Latino Equality Alliance. And the mission of Latino Equality Alliance, LEA, is a project of community partners to advocate for equity, safety, and wellness of the Latinx, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, plus community. And it's a nonprofit organization. So it has um, a really, really strong focus on family acceptance, which is why I am here proudly speaking to you guys today um, as, you know, an ally. And I mean, you name it, they're, they're doing it. And I think that that's so amazing. And it's specifically dedicated to our Latinx community, which we all know, these are conversations that we grew up, you know, thinking they were so taboo, but guys, there are safe spaces out there for us to really reach out to and, um, you know, educate ourselves with. So also the program includes leadership development, um, empowerment, community outreach, college access and success support. They also do youth counseling, which is amazing to hear. And if you guys want to contribute or do more research on the LEA, you guys can go to latinoequalityalliance.org. All right, mi gente, thank you so much for stopping by La Sala. I also want to give a special, special, special thanks to my guests uh, for joining me today. And you can follow me at I am Becky G for your thoughts, questions, and comments. Or you can also go to the In La Sala podcast Instagram account and you can also leave your comments there. We are here every week so you guys can like, follow, and subscribe to Amazon Music to join the party aquí en La Sala. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.